Welcome to the Rise to the Challenge podcast. Join me today. He's a professional athlete, CEO, and musical artist. It's TJ Wright. How are you doing today, TJ? Good, man. Straight up. Doing, having a great time, living this life. What about yourself? How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm excited to have you on the show and to learn more about your Rise to the Challenge. First thing we like to do with all of our guests as we go right to the beginning, talk about where you're from and what were you involved in growing? Damn, it's a great question. I'm TJ Wright. I'm from Beaumont, Texas, also known as BMT, Big Money Texas, Golden Triangle. If you ever get a chance, look that up. Um, and growing up as a child, I was involved in pretty much the same stuff I am now. I guess to just mature through the process, sports, uh, music, uh, being social, and fashion design. So, I mean, different stages. We're talking about childhood. Uh, been a four-sport athlete pretty much my whole life. I ended up being an athlete of the year in my high school. I um, was designing T-shirts since the 10th grade, doing music since the 10th grade, um, you know, playing Little League All-Star. And just as a kid, kid, just kind of being in the neighborhood, riding bikes, um, doing a whole, like, building ramps, jumping off ramps. Um, was really into, like, pets, animals, um, science projects, video games, Sega Genesis. Like basically just yeah really good childhood. taking trips with the family so then yeah. what kind of sports did you play and what was the one sport that stuck out to you oh uh, well when i was a little kid i was playing basketball so i thought i was gonna go to the nba first but i played every sport like i said so i played baseball i was doing the whole like little league world series thing where you playing they select people to be all-stars at the end of the year that kind of stuck out you brought that it was a good memories of trying to make the all-star team every year like 9 10 11 years old um, went to the state in track when I was like eight. Me and some people from my neighborhood ran summer track. We ran summer track every year. I um, ended up going to the state a couple times. I was like eight or nine. Um, you know, like I said, basketball. We used to play endless basketball all day. Uh, actually, like BMX bikes, we used to build our own ramps and just like ride down the street, build momentum and do ramps. Football, pick up football. So at that point in time, you know, there wasn't no internet, so we had this thing called outside. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so you would go outside and we played every season whatever season was on tv we just played it in the in the neighborhood you know playing sports at a young age what's something that you learned about yourself playing those sports that's interesting because at a young age i don't know if i was looking for the lessons the interesting thing i learned about sports at a young age i don't know back then i probably said i was a sore loser <laughs> <laughs> I hate to lose. I love to win competition. Uh, Devin was a terrible loser. Um, and another thing I probably learned at a young age was just toughness. Because I always hung with people older than me. And I was always a little more advanced for that reason. Uh, so the only way you get down, you know what I'm saying, is if you could keep up. So I probably learned toughness uh, through sports at a young age. Did you have any motivations or inspirations growing up? Uh, yeah, i say... Family was my father, my mom, uh, just my cousin. So we had this like, my dad's dad was this influential civil rights leader in a small town that did all these things. They built like a little monument for him. So it was all, uh, his own children really honored him and loved him. Uh, you know, 20, 30 years ago, he passed away. So he had a lot of stuff and accolades in this town called Angleton, Texas that they still did. So just the legacy of him, I'm named after him. I'm probably the last person I found the last name right. I'm also named TJ Wright. So that's 
influential, I guess, on TV, like celebrities, bigger influences would be like Allen Iverson, um, Daisy, Pimp C, and UGK, and like uh, Martin and Will Smith and that type of stuff. So I was really into that as a little kid. You talked about the goal of going to be in the NBA. Was there ever a time where maybe that direction changed? Yeah, definitely. Uh, when I was in high school, we had this dude named Kendrick Perkins enrolled in school, and that was like the whole basketball <laughs> team uh, was going to be built around him. So the NBA was definitely not in the course for me. I switched to football and ended up being a starter in football, and that's how football uh, went about. But I went to that school that I went to thinking I was going to be on varsity um, from the ninth grade. That didn't happen. So I kind of got basketball started seeming like uh, something that wasn't going to pop. We still ended up being like ranked uh, fifth in the nation. I don't know if you know, Kenny Perkins was a starter for the Boston Celtics. He was a multiple-time champion. So I was able to, to actually be a part of that and see how greatness works. And, uh, and like I said, we went undefeated multiple years. Uh, we ended up being number five in the nation on that. But uh, once that happened, that was pretty much uh, clear that, you know, NBA might not <laughs> – might not be something that's going to pop because we got somebody that's about to go to the NBA from the ninth grade. I mean, from high school. So stuff's going to be a little different. With making that team, were you always trying to find a way to push yourself to be on that varsity team level any way possible? On the basketball side? Yeah, definitely. I mean, so, I mean, yeah, I've, I've played the summer going into the ninth grade with a bunch of grown men and one of them happened to be somebody who's going to be on the staff. So we had this, whole conversation with my dad after that day, like, yeah, send him to this school. We had this new school coming, blah, 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 blah. Um, then when it didn't happen, yeah, I used to go, my dad used to put me in summer camps. He used to drive me to summer camps on his own. He got me scouted. So I really didn't get that much PT because I was playing football. I was, it was hella competitive. Like I said, we was number five in the nation at one point in time. So it was so much talent, you know, it was going to be too controversial to step in six weeks. None of the football players that switched was able to, find a way like that. Like I said, it's just so talented. But I ended up still getting some offers, even though I didn't get that much PT, because my dad was driving me around in the summer and stuff like that, taking me to different camps. We used to go to the Kansas camp. We used to go to this dude named Greg Swain. We used to have these camps in, like, Oklahoma and stuff like that. So uh, went to the Stephen F. Austin camp one night, um, three-day camp, did really well there. So it just, yeah, my dad taking me to camps and just hooping because it's a great way to stay in shape. So I never stopped playing basketball. It's the best way to stay in shape um, passively for something like cornerback. So, you know what I'm saying? Because all you're doing is running up and down. Basketball players are extremely quick. You know what I mean? Vertical, You got, it's about footwork. So you learn to control your feet in a quick space, get off the ground really fast. So I, I believe in cross training. So long story short, yeah, I always kept up with it. Uh, I tried. I'm still got some stuff. I'm actually full circle back into basketball now, but at that time, it is what it is. And I had some ch opportunities to play basketball when I got to college, but I was kind of jaded in college and I didn't take the opportunity series. I probably should have, but I was approached one time in college to play just basically for because I went to the school I went to. When you were going into college, what path were you taking there? Like what opportunities were you? But that, when I went to school, it was like, I'm going to go try and get to the NFL. So I was trying to go D1. And, you know, it was like, I'm going to go to the NFL at that point because I made all state in football. I was from Texas, decided to go to Ohio. So at that point, it was like, just made a business decision to see if I can get to the league. Was it hard not 
I don't know, is Ohio a D1 university? Yeah, Ohio University, D1, uh, Bobcats, what they call a mid-major. So it's like the Bowling Greens, the Miami, Ohio, Central Michigan's, um, Middle Tennessee, those type of teams. Now, um, you mentioned that you wish you took opportunities in college. Talk about why you didn't take those other opportunities. Um, well, at that time, I was be- definitely homesick. So I was doing a lot of self-sabotage, trying to not be at the school. It was just a lot of culture stuff. So I was messing my grades up. Uh, time management, you know what I'm saying? Because college football is a whole different ball game. Being loaded down with, with football time management. Outside looking in on basketball, I didn't know if I was going to be able to keep it up because they missed school two and three days a week. So I didn't, never understood how they was able to stay eligible to begin with. Um, just the load, but we did have a dude that when I got there had played both sports named Thomas and I kind of was picking his brain. I never really, really jumped at it, but I do understand I, looking back, I should have just, even if I didn't play, it's going to make you look good. I should have ran track. So if anybody sees this is going to play college basketball, I mean, college, anything, you should definitely always run track no matter what sports you play. Even if you're going to go get burnt, you're going to always be faster. And then if, you know what I'm saying? Cause it just looked good on your Wikipedia. Wikipedia page. So I didn't even know Wikipedia was going to come out, but you know what I'm saying? It's going to just look good on your resume to the next level. You talked about having a struggle with grades and time management. Was there something that changed that told yourself that, okay, if I want to make it to the NFL, I need to start doing better in these different areas? Mm, no, I probably man, I didn't master time management until I got out of school. In school, it was just I was just really to be completely uh, transparent, just being selfish. So I was always smart. I always understood what was going on in class. So that was kind of the reason why I didn't show up all the time, but I knew what was going on. It was just really when it seemed like, oh, you're about to be ineligible. My love for football is what always motivated me. It's like I can't be ineligible, and my parents was always on me. But my, I'm from Texas. So I was in Ohio, so they could only, like, yell at me through the phone, right? So, <laughs> so. You know, but some at some point in time, you get tired of disappointing your mom or disappointing your parents and hearing that in their voice, and you just go ahead and buckle down, do what you got to do, or whatever. I think a lot, of, a lot of students can relate to that, where they kind of get into college, and they're like, well, I don't have my parents on me all the time, and they kind of just start doing whatever they want. And it's almost like sometimes they get that reality check in a way where they're like, okay, if the decisions you do make can affect your future, it may lead to not getting the job you want or the path you're going to take. And so it's kind of a way to see, can you make it on your own? When you were going through finishing college, what was the next opportunity you wanted to take? Or what was that next path after graduation? Well, yeah, I was in a different mind frame back then. I wanted to play football and if I didn't play football, I made it in my mind, I was going to move to New York and try to be a rapper. So that was kind of what I was on at that point in time. I'm like, well, look, you know what I'm saying? It was this epic story about P. Diddy catching the train from uh, Washington, D.C. to New York every day as an intern until he turns into P. Diddy. And I just convinced myself I was going to do something like that. Outside of that, I think what I wanted to do on some real world stuff would be a designer. Kind of all the stuff I'm doing now, but I think the most solid, like, guaranteed thing I would have wanted to do was, uh, you know, be a lawyer or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Go to some type of grad school. I don't know. I think I think my backup backup plan was to be that dude who just get locked locked in grad school. You know, just have he's his his job is to get degrees. I probably would have been that dude. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> but I had like 19 degrees <laughs> when I came out. 
were you able to fulfill that dream of playing in the NFL? Uh, yeah, but not to the degree I wanted to, but the more I look back on it, the time I spent was definitely worthwhile. Uh, I mean, just getting the call really helped change my life. It took some of the stress that I had myself. So when they use that term, I'm getting a monkey off your back. I definitely know what that feels like. So, I mean, yeah, it did. I took a risk. I left school early uh, to play football, but it was something I felt like I would have, that would have haunted me to this day. So, uh, Talk about that experience. What was like a memorable moment playing in the NFL? Mm, I guess uh, the first day we got there, we had uh, we all got this signed paper from Ocho Cinco, and it was like, this is the closest you ever going to come to touching me. That's what he wrote on the paper. And that was interesting. That was a good memory. from the, Like, it was, it was the very first day or seeing your jersey with your name on it and seeing how shiny that helmet is in real life, like how shiny the stuff was. Just stuff like that, just uh, all the first, the stuff that happened being the first and um, going to school in Ohio and then playing for the Bengals, you know, feeling like you're inside of the Madden game and you're around all these people that you didn't know you was going to meet that you've been watching on TV and now all of a sudden y'all are like co-workers type situation. So, you know what I'm saying? Just that in a vague description, I have just a bunch of stories behind it, but. I would say that was done differently to make the experience last longer, or was it kind of just you were taking every day one day at a time? You know, I was taking every day one day at a time. I think what I did differently was took uh, my injury situation more as a business situation, not a football situation. So, uh, used the business side of the NFL to extend my career leverage. Probably also to did more networking inside of the league itself to extend my career and just, uh, yeah, understood more of what it meant to be a yourself as a business and a brand and not just being a teammate and a member of the football team. Uh, so I probably would have did that, got super involved in the league itself. So after uh, what was next for you? Uh, after that time, I had to go and recover. It took me a while to recover and get surgeries and stuff like that. I tried to jumpstart my career a couple of times, got different calls from different leagues. So I went to arena and had something called the UFL and all that. Kind of got burnt out on the emotionally on football. So then I enrolled in art school, enrolled myself in the Art Institute in Miami. Um, and then decided to start put, picking up my music, start doing a type of music called trap rock. Um, and then I went, to, like I said, went to art school, started studying accessory design. Yeah, I just started exploring myself as an artist uh, right after that. So I want to do the opposite of football. I just kind of not have to deal with it. Um, switched sports a couple of times. Did some uh, semi-pro soccer, trying to get to the MLS. Did some rugby, trying to get to the Olympics. Um, yeah, I just was trying to find out who I was, I guess, or what I'm good at. So it was, you can go get a job, did some jobs, but it's, once you experience something that opened the doors and opened your eyes up like that, at that level, and you always ask, you're like, what else can I do at that level? Because now there's no such thing as let's be realistic, right? So when you're trying to get to the league, people love to tell you stuff like, hey, let's be realistic. Nobody goes to blah, 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 but they didn't college you now, so your version of realistic is now completely obliterated. <laughs> you know what I mean? So... You mentioned earlier that you started designing at the age of 10 or at a younger age, like designing shirts and stuff. Was that always kind of in the back of your mind? Like, 
I wanted to be an entrepreneur in a way. I wanted to be able to design stuff. Yeah, because I'm heavily influenced by hip hop. So all the people that I would like that hip hop that was famous at that time was all entrepreneurs. And hip hop has shown that you have to be um, bringing in income in a bunch of different areas. So, you know, you got Master P, you had Outkast had clothes, you had um, Jay-Z had had his clothes and stuff like that. So you had all these people that was already designing and just making it on their own. Um, you know, FUBU that came out, you know what I'm saying? That was heavily hip hop influence. So, um, you know, being a designer, yeah, that was something I wanted to do is have my own like, like that swag or have my own fashion line and stuff like that. So, you talked about being a musical artist. Are you able to incorporate your designs with what you're doing in the music industry? Yeah, so that's kind of what's driving me as a business person. All this is still extensions of that. Accessories is just now as an independent artist. Um, had to put the business as a foundation and put that first. Because um, even in you learning everything that you're trying to do is going to be 70% business, 30% whatever your passion is, whether it's art, as a, so I design this painting behind me. As a physical artist, you still have to figure out a market and get your stuff sold and get it into these different places. So I don't know if you see it, it lights up. It's AI infused. It, it looks like, like, like thunder lightning bolts. I kind of see it yeah. in a reflection way, and I, I like it. So, yeah, it's based on the human heart and the reaction. It's called my shit. So this goes with my music too, but it's AI. It's supposed to be, uh, so all my stuff that I do in physical art is based on a human relationship with space and time. Um, and this is just showing how the body reacts to movement. So it's actually in the shape of a heart and it moves when it hears uh, voices of music. And like I said, usually I play it with one of my songs. So it's called Mosh Pit. So it's show how your body is reacting when you jump into the Mosh Pit. So basically, yeah, everything's kind of interconnected on the brand. It's based in the hierarchy as well as a cyclical environment. Um, each brand's extension of accessories is uh, what I'm basically trying to create is this huge emotional brand that's experiential right that go at different levels uh with the ultimate buy-in you can hear a song for free but we also you know gonna be building other cars which would be you know over 100k right so there's something that the brand i'm building at each level uh, for all types of consumers all types of people all ages right and even with various interests so when we get into the tech side you can hate rap music but you still can enjoy drones right and we can get deeper in the heavy lift drone aspect or you can enjoy art, right? Or you can enjoy these different things and absolutely hate rap music, right? And still be able to engage with what I got going on. Or you cannot give about none of this and love music and still, you know what I'm saying? I think definitely- Like this is a 3D printer right here too. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, wow. this is what we doing. I think for me, when I'm getting involved with like music, I kind of like to learn the personal side of the journey because usually with musicians, they always like incorporate what they've gone through or the stuff that they care about. You can hear the passion in the lyrics and everything. And it's kind of nice to see all your different passions and how they intertwine with each other and they work in a cohesive way. What, have you been able to see a big growth in your music career? Have you been able to perform at places you wanted to? Or what has been the challenges with getting yourself out there in the music industry? Uh... So I've seen it grow from building, learn how to build my own platform, which I'm about to do. I have not been able to form, form anywhere because the biggest challenge is being too ahead of the curve, being too different, um, and then the money aspect. So I've learned in the stuff. So transitioning from football to music, there was also a block because they don't, especially hip hop, there's this 
lack of respect for athletes that want to be musicians or whatever. But there's a lack of respect, and this is rappers and whatever. Uh, these people towards music, right? Rap is the one type of music where the successful person say they don't even care about rap or they can't rap because rap is 90% business, 10% music, right? So this is why people say rap sucks. Uh, and then it's just a matter of, because I'm combining hip hop and rock, I often get told that, you know, my music is good, but they don't know what to do with it. So rock venues, not too keen on want to let us uh, set up a do not do our thing because there's going to be some rapping in there and, you know, the statement that comes with that. And then hip hop venues, not too keen to want to let us set up because they like to put you on back to back to back. They don't understand the live instruments. They don't think that the audience want this because it's alternative, right? So people do want this, but it's an alternative, right? So it's, I do, uh, you know, I typically, I don't want to use profanity, but I do mess with that type of music. But it's, I'm not, yeah, I'm just not going to not listen to Lil Wayne. I'm not going to not listen to whatever I'm here for, but I'll jam that in its own whatever. So I'm building my own platform. And that's why it's important for me to have these different outlets to, you know, because as a, even with startups, you know, CEOs get paid. And how I use my money is just different. So I'm doing the same thing Elon Musk did, but it's to fund my art, right? So he took his PayPal money to do Tesla and his Tesla money to do SpaceX. That was his personal stuff, right? His personal drive. I'm going to do all that. But it's eventually going to come to me having a platform. And it's, I learned that when you're trying to go into somebody else, it is. It just taught me that it's going to be best for me to be uh, independent. And you have to try to make hits for people. You have to try to change what you're doing artistically for everybody else. And my music and my art is going to come from, I guess, um, a parochial place, right? A place where it is created and you can like it or not like it. It's designed to have an emotion. So I want you to love it or hate it. Like it wants to, to derive emotion. So, and I don't want to have to try to make a hit. So if I can find sustainability, then I'm able to create passionate music and say pretty much what I want to say. And it just be what it is. <laughs> First of all, if you listen to your music or genre of music, what would you want to tell someone to try to give it a chance in a way? And what do you want them to learn from listening to your music? Mm, I think at this point, I feel like if you're that friend that enjoys being able to tell somebody what's going to be hot next year or putting somebody on to something, like, no, nah, I'm telling you, this is what it is, and that's why you should like this music, because it's something that you can have to yourself. Um, it's for highly curated people with discriminating taste. Um, I think that is something that's driven on energy, it's driven on motivation, and it's basically motivation of music. Um, you know, I think that a lot of my um, topics do revolve around redemption, um, overcoming adversity, abandonment issues, being left out, overcoming being an underdog, knowing who you are, um, having that matrix mentality, that mamba mentality. I think if you want to dig deeper into that, um, you can, just a holistic uh, wave and if you're tired of any of the things um, that's currently going on I think you should give it a try so a lot of people that complain about the state of music the state of popular music the state of hip-hop the state of some people like to say rock is dead blah 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 then you should try this I think nowadays you can see music even I think like the whole j-pop k-pop stuff has been hitting the market in the United States I think people are giving our new genres a chance and they're finding it. So definitely, I think it, for people that you're talking about the whole different topics that your music is about, I think people can really maybe connect with it 
and they're able to use that in a way and they'll find the passion to listen to it. So we're excited to see how that goes. When you're yeah, I think everybody can relate to feeling like, you know, they wasn't given they just do or that, you know, they wasn't, you know, I try to write write about relatable issues. You know, it's a lot I write about love a lot too and, and experiences, but I think the main thing is to motivate and I try to capture moments and then I try to write about topics that people don't really touch on. You know what I'm saying? Because typically, you know, we rap about falling in love, getting your heart broken, and hip-hop making a bunch of money, or, you know, how tough you are. So we're going to rap about that and sing about those things, but I also try to talk on a bunch of different issues or different perspectives, right? The dumper, but also being the dumpy, the winner, and how you've also lost, you know what I'm saying? Overcoming stuff. So, you know, different things like that. Do you have those times where you wish that maybe you would pursue more in the athletic area, like go back to sports, or are you finding the passion between the balance between both that you're able to maybe do sports as a recreational side or a semi-pro level? Um, yeah, no, I'm finding a balance in both. So I went as hard as I could with sports. So I pursued sports hard. And it's like, so once I, I know, I got my own recording method. It don't take me a long time to record. So music not hard. Like I said, the biggest part about music is building my own platform and, and connecting with my own audience. And, you know what I'm saying? It's just really, you know, finding that, finding people that's genuine behind the scenes. There's a lot of stuff. And like I said, as an athlete, I don't, and being a pro, my own pro athlete, it's a lot of things that make me, maybe come off as abrasive transitioning, but I don't think I should have to do these things because music, like music is shady. You know what I'm saying? Behind the scenes and I'm like, I'm my own person. I'm coming in with my own thing. So I'm not just some random dude, you know what I'm saying? That needs you to to build me up. You know what I'm saying? So it's just a lot of stuff that's going on behind the scenes. But what I'm getting at is this, especially on the hip hop side, I don't have to rap about no fabricated lifestyle. I live life going to booth for a little bit and I talk about everything that bothers me pretty much and it might be from eight years ago so you know I don't want people to get too caught up in my lyrics or it might be something that haven't happened but I feel that way like you know you made me so mad I want to punch you in the face so I wrote a song about punching you in the face but I haven't punched anybody in the face you know what I mean um so but it's not hard as far as that the recording process the art process right Hardest thing about a good idea is how long it's gonna take for it to pop in your head. So you might have a good idea and you're like, man, why I didn't think about that like six years ago? Because it took six years to pop in your head. But once it's there, it's there. So the balance, basically what I'm saying, the balance is there because it's a natural process. It's naturalized, it's not hard. Sports take up a lot of time and sports come with a lot of different avenues and different things gonna come your way. And everything that happens in society happens in sports. So people don't understand that and people think there's a big, big divide is no. You know, is Clark Kent was Clark Kent, and then something crazy happened. You have to go be Superman real quick. So whatever you got going on right now as yourself, you are still gonna have that going on as yourself. And then you gotta go to practice, and then you gotta get it, and then you gotta go back to your problems, or maybe you don't have problems. Whatever, you know what I'm saying? So it's, it's not hard. And you know, the more you graduate to different levels in sports, the more you become a target for everything, the good and the bad, right? So. Is there, any, is there any future ventures that you want to pursue in the future? Or are you just focusing on your music and design area? Um, well, my design lends me to all these different ventures. So I pretty much uh, create, automate, and delegate what I do. So I'm a, a rapid prototyper, 
Uh, I'm a startup aficionado. I'm passionate about that. So anything that I want to be involved in, I'm pursuing it. So one of my next meetings is going to be of a business venture that I got that I want to do and create. I'm getting the, uh, approached by lots of accelerators. I get approached by a lot of people on the platform, LinkedIn, to be a part of different projects and ventures. So now nah, I'm definitely uh, involved in a lot of ventures and I'm continuously being involved. I'm about to start hosting courses on product design and, and teaching other people how to how to basically rapidly take an idea, get into the atmosphere. Like I said, we got this 3D printer now. So I can wake up and if I got an idea, get the STL file made, uh, prototype it at a smaller level, look at the, the market size. So I got it. It's a business and startup is super systematic and it's almost like football. Football is hella complex. It's deductive reasoning, right? You got 300 plays, but by the time we get to the line of scrimmage, it's only like nine or 10 options that could be going on as this dude goes down the field, there's less and less options and then a slower deal. So it's super systematic and I'm into that and creating teams and being approached by people and the opportunity to contribute to the ecosystem as well as um, the society from a, you know job creation, mentorship, something I'm passionate about. So I'm gonna always be involved in that. And it's just not as daunting as it might seem from the outside, we had the internet and the ability to attract high level talent and even to mold talent, right? So a lot of this just boiled down to um, self-confidence and then having positive reinforcement from the people around you. It's not kill your self-confidence. You mentioned during your time at the NFL, you wish that you networked a lot with more people. Are you able to change that now and think about networking a lot more by using different platforms? Definitely, definitely. I think because yeah, I see how powerful it is now. And you know, anytime you're a former player, your light dimmers a little bit more than being a current player. So understanding what power I had at that time, and looking at times where I was approached with things, and I thought people was finna, was trying to use me, but I didn't have enough business knowledge to understand the difference between somebody trying to use you and actually presenting you with an opportunity. Because sometimes you have been presented with um, startup opportunities that took off. Um, especially knowing as a founder in these things now. Even if it seemed like it's not whatever, I can plug myself into the into that team and, and, and help it get to the next level or whatever. But, yeah, and then the, the NFL itself um, changed some things behind the scene. By, so they have something called the NFLPA. Um, it used to be a paid membership. They made it free so that anybody who played. So they really reached out to people um, and brought everybody into the NFL family and really accelerated this concept of it being a brotherhood and allowing people to connect. So that's changed everything, too, and interacting. So I – had this piece chosen to be shown in the Super Bowl last year. I think they're going to show it at the art show this year. Hopefully we can get it in on these type of pieces I've been doing. These are all of uh, – I'm doing a series of these pieces, like I said, based on the human relationship between space and time uh, and movement and all this type of thing. So um, definitely now, I definitely see the power of networking. That's how me and you was able to connect, right, and you know, network and showcase this to our audience and grow and, and all these different things. So the two things I realize now is networking and leveraging and that anything, anything can be leveraged, right? And anything that can you craft a narrative or a story around can be leveraged. So for someone that's listening to you based on your journey and experience, what tips or advice would you give them to overcome their challenges, accomplish their goals and rise to their challenge? Um, so the main thing I would say is literally the power of positive thinking is always about positive thinking. It's always literally about positive thinking. Um, and that positive thing is going to lend into you, understand the power of you. 
right? So you do need other people, but other people do not define you and other people cannot stop you, right? It's just you either going to have a bunch of this or you can have radio silence. Mm-hmm. Neither one of those is bad. Like a lot of people tell you don't like people. People, we're tribal people. We never survived. We wouldn't have got this long if it wasn't for each other. And I think as we move into the digital age, we need to keep that um, keep that in the back of our minds or in the front of our minds as we move into the digital age where we have people living in isolation because that's not healthy for you, right? Married men live longer than men who are not married. You are not designed to be in isolation. Um, and the more isolated we are, the more people are going to try to dictate our behaviors through keeping us all separated and ignorant. So we need each other, right? We um, if you're in the religion, the Bible says iron sharpens iron. So we're not going to think alike. That's cool. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I tell people is don't ever underestimate yourself. And that's through the power of positive thinking. And then that's going to lead to believing in yourself because that's the two main things. And that you're not alone and you need people. So you're going to have to network. You don't have to talk to people. You don't have to talk about your problems, whether you're already rich or whether you broke as a joke. Both of y'all are going to need somebody to get this popped off and another thing i was told is you cannot enter a new dimension unless somebody from that dimension is going to guide you along the way so whatever you're going to do you're going to need somebody and a lot of times you need that person that's sorry or at the quote-unquote bottom of the t or average because that's the person that's most accessible so if you're trying to go to the nfl don't be expecting adrian peterson to reach out you need to find some former free agent who was in the league for like two weeks to put you on or you know what I'm saying? You want to work at IBM? It might be the janitor that'll help you get into the in the door. You don't know who somebody know. You need somebody from that dimension, whatever you're trying to do, uh, to put you in the in the place and give you the have nots, you know. And failure is a good teacher. But the last thing is all these people tell you be prepared to fail a bunch of times and take a hundred no's. Yeah, but that's definitely gonna mess with your self-esteem. You should don't be arrogant and don't come at somebody else who's already failed as trying to help you. You should really learn from other people's lessons. If you're going to innovate or they played out, you'll find it out in time. But that's the other thing I see with a lot of people is you don't know anything, but you're trying to tell somebody who already been there and failed that they wrong, but you don't know enough to know what's right and wrong. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 So do don't know person. power of the word no, a lot of people think has a negative but I always use that as a positive effect where it kind of gets you to say, okay, you tried it, see what's next. And if someone, yeah, I can use the example of the podcast. If someone says no, that they don't want to be on my show. Okay. I mean, I still move on. It's not right. me defeated. There's always a time where maybe someone says no, but then I get a message a few months later. They're like, oh, I just saw an episode. If you're still interested I'll come on. To me, it's always keep going, keep creating, keeping, think, keep thinking of ideas because you never know when someone will reach back out to you and help people. Don't always say, oh, I don't want to help you. I'm always a person, okay, when do you want to get on a call? I'll help. Like I always right. help people because you never know what can happen in the future. Definitely. And that going back to sales, so in sales, they say no doesn't mean no forever, it means no right now. But it all go back to power of positive thinking. You really have to do the self-work. So that's something I wasn't told because I had to learn that too. So I did have too much ego when I transitioned because I'm somebody who stuff was working out for a long time. Like I said, I went to state at track when I was eight years old. And I was able to go to the league and, you know, get into art school, switch sports like when I wanted to. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And so being told no, so I was taking it personal for it at one point, but it is, yes, no does point you into a new direction. And I was being selfish because I wanted that person to be down with what I was down for. Like, you know what I'm saying? Even with my uh, my Hovercar project, it was like, you know what I'm saying? Flying cars, what are you talking about? You sound stupid, but that's too much ego, right? Of course they can say no. And no does point you in that direction, but you have to be, there's a mental prep work and emotional prep work that you need to go into before you become an entrepreneur. And I don't think people spend enough time on that. And then any type of consult you're going to take and all these consults, it all came down to stuff that I'd already done in sports. Power positive thinking, right? You literally have to believe in yourself. Just like as an athlete, the way you go out and play sports is people say athletes are cocky, but you up against all this stuff. You have to know you better than this dude. And there's nothing else. Remember, the better you get, the more you're going to get critics, media, some people you think are your friends not going to believe in you. You're going to find yourself where you're the only person who know what you're capable of. Right. And that's why it's important. That goes back into the no. So, yes, no's point you to the yes. But you have to be, like you said, in a mature mind frame that you are in to see that. And that's why perspective is good, because when you take that perspective, it's going to attract. And in sales, I would say learning more about what you're doing, which is selling. Yes. No means no, not right now. I just followed up with somebody yesterday who told me no three weeks ago. And now they're like, yeah, I want to work with your service. Because so in one of my other ventures, because, you know, the thing they thought I was forcing on them or whatever, whatever, I know the value and the pain point I was solving in the market, gave it a month, came back and followed up. They still hadn't closed the deal they was thinking about. Now I'm got the deal. That's just how this thing worked. <laughs> well, TJ, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. I truly enjoyed it hearing about your rise to the challenge and we're all excited to see what the future has for you perfect man i really appreciate this opportunity um thank you for this show um think you're doing a great job and keep up the good work tune in next time to hear my next guest talk about their rise to the challenge remember to follow and subscribe on all major audio platforms make sure you subscribe to our youtube channel to see the full-length episode in video format what path will you take to accomplish your goals you decide